Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, 
All you gotta do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And airwave. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece? I know, I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. In this episode, we've got another Australian coming to us. I am stoked. And he started in Australia, made his way over to England, then over to Ireland, then back to Australia, and he has stories in all of those areas. It is awesome. So cool. I'm pumped to have him on. Uh, he's doing even more outside of rescue and working with Axness, working with LSC. He's got his own company. He's just doing great things. So please welcome our next guest, Australian rescueman, Mr. David Betts. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and yep. gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. Uh, today, I've got a brother friend of mine who's from the Down Under. That's right. You know, like it's been a little while since I've had you guys on. So I'm really excited you came on. Just so you know, Dave, just, just throwing that out there. But this guy, Mr. David Betts, He's a crewman from down there, which means he was a rescue swimmer, a hoist operator, and a paramedic. Just to like, that's the tip of the iceberg. What's up, dude? How you doing, brother? Hey, man, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah, man. It's an absolute pleasure. So do me a favor. Give me everybody a little background about you, who you are, how you got into search and rescue. And uh, yeah, you are, it was all three of those that you are, right? Hoist operator, rescue swimmer, and paramedic. That's me. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, Man, badass. I up... sorry, I forgot to add that one. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. Just... <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in, in surf clubs in, in junior lifeguarding nippers, they call it down here in, in Australia. And that Wait, really what, got, what do they call it? They call it nippers. Like when you're a nippers, uh, like, a, like, like a crab. Yeah, like oh yeah. Crab. <laughs> Nippers, yeah so um it's yeah junior, junior lifeguarding is probably what they call it in the states and a similar similar thing probably in europe as well um that that really got me into 
into search and rescue, I suppose. It's um it allowed me to understand there's there's that whole world out there. I think you like all of us, we wander through life wondering what we're doing as a teenager. And, and um, I left school and started lifeguarding full-time. And at about the same time, um, took up a volunteer position on a on a AS350 Squirrel or a, or an A-Star, like um, you guys will call it in the States. Love it. Um, three, I love that little bird, up. by the way. For those that don't oh, fly, it does look like a little chipmunk. It's tiny three blades oh gosh that thing is i love that, that it's, little the, it's the sports car it's the sports car of the skies it's uh it's a nice totally little French so, um it's uh that that's it that's how i got into it really and that um that allowed me to get exposure into the broader industry um which got me a, a full-time position ultimately and and into the rescue world and from there, my paramedic training and, and et cetera. So that's, that was the start for me. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. So, so now uh, let me back up a little bit because this knowledge that I, I don't, I don't know and, or I don't remember. So let me start with um, the rescue swimmer portion. So is that you go through your lifeguard training, uh, like as a junior lifeguard, and that's where you get your water comfortability. That, that's where a lot of people do it down here in australia there's sort of two there's two pathways you can do it that way is the way a lot of people get into the industry um through surf life saving and junior lifeguarding basically and there's a few volunteer helicopters and they're really flying up and down the uh, beaches now you know just looking for people in distress and sharks and um you know things like that and it, that really spawned from the late 70s era when there was large stretches of beach, large stretches of coastline that were very, very unprotected and unpatrolled and a lot of people around um, or, and, and, and dangerous surf too. And, and before jet skis really became a method of recovery and rescue, um, that, that really was the, the only way to do it was via helicopter. Um, so we used to, we used to just jump out of free free jump, same as you guys do in the Coast Guard. Yeah. And then um nice. then we had a, a 30 foot um static line, fit 30 foot um line, 18 mil or you know, inch and a half, two um inch and a bit rope in thickness. And you'd put a strop around someone and connect that to yourself and and to them and and then just get lifted out of the out of the water and slung load onto the beach. What? Um, and it oh I didn't know actually, that yeah yeah so that's um that's and before my era just before my era they used to they used to lower down the 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 rescue ladder just like a caving ladder and people would just climb up the side of like skull drag people into the beach and i mean this is the 70s and the 80s you know that you're, you're doing that but that that method of rescue really um held held true until the mid 2000s and um there's still companies in australia that do that now specifically and only for the surf zone because you have a really big, thick line that's hard to wrap around yourself. It's really easy yep. to manage in the surf. It's got a bit of give in. It's not wire cable. You're not damaging the hoist. You're going straight off the belly hook, and um, and you you basically plonk the guy in the surf. They bear hug the patient, and then you you sling load them about a foot or so above the water, back to the beach. And if they fall, they fall a foot into the water and pick them up. But you. Uh, I don't know of anyone that's ever dropped anyone um, because the, the if you can get a strop on them, you do. If you, if you, if you 
can't, you don't, you know, but yeah. generally speaking, 99.9% of the time you'll be stropping them and bear hugging them as well to get them out of that. And it's only out of that really heavy impact zone. So that's wow. where that started. And a lot of that stuff really went by the wayside when jet skis became affordable and more manageable and, and they are better in the surf for that type of rescue now, now that technology's evolved, you know, a better thing yeah. has come along and a, and a safer way to do it has has evolved but that's that's where i started was was way that back is awesome in the, in the late 90s so 1998 as an 18 year old kid going this is this is really cool <laughs> you know like it just, life couldn't have been better at the time it was a lot of fun you know so yeah yeah so that, that's that's how i got into it all really is through so out of through curiosity that. when you would free fall out of the aircraft would you free fall with the quick drop like take yeah. all your gear with it? and then so you put them around the quick drop they bring in the long line from the belly of the helicopter. Yep. You clip into that, and boom, you both get taped up, picked up, and brought over. Yeah, and and basically you'd um, you know clip yourself up and then clip them up, and that was the procedure. And there was there was two um, clips with floats on them, and just one you know blue to crew Dang. and red to them, and, and away you went. So it was um, it was it it was it was simple and effective with the technology we had at the time, you know. Yeah, so, and um, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah and hey, but i'm all about different ways yeah. to get it done get the job done that's yeah yeah exactly you know like it's not it's not the be all and end all but um there's companies down here that still do it now and there's you know you see rescues on tv every so often and you're yeah it's a for a very niche um client a net very niche rescue it, it's an effective yeah. way of doing it you definitely wouldn't be doing it every day of the week and all the time you know there's better right. ways of doing things but it's a it's a it's a way of doing it so yeah We're so that's that's that the way a lot of people get into the industry the, down here the technique to do that <laughs> yeah yeah so um so yeah it's simple and effective nice all right so now you move on to being a hoist operator so i imagine just the fact that you're flying uh as a rescue swimmer on board the aircraft you become a crew member and that's just the next step or yeah, correct. That's generally the next step. Once you've got once you've got a, a bit of experience, you start to get slightly shown the ropes and slightly learn the ropes of a, a, as a hoist operator um, to um, progress through the industry, I suppose. So beautiful. Um, so I did that, and then in my early twenties, I um, partially left the industry. Um, I, I basically stopped doing it full time and became a paramedic with the, an on-road paramedic and, um, but kept flying up as a, um, as a volunteer with one of the organizations that I worked for and, and a casual with another. So, um, and then sort of just over the next few years did a lot of contract work, a lot of fill-in work, people took annual leave and they needed someone to come down. So I took leave from the ambulance service or the leave without pay or something like that. And, under these six week, eight week blocks at, at different places all over all over the country. So I sort of bounced around the industry and sort of ended up with this um, with this experience base working at a lot of different places, but never really working full time uh, for until I went to Ireland. Really, it was you know um, you know my next full time job. You know, so I was I was a a, a casual. Did you say Ireland? Yeah, so I ended up in Ireland with um with Neville and Mac and and what? The boys over there. So yeah, so I I, I, um, I don't think I knew that. That's yeah, um, it's been a year I'm, in Ireland. 
Yeah. So. Um. Okay. Sign. So yeah. Hey guys, call call me. I'll come here. I want to come. I want to come play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well, awesome. I was. Yeah. I um. I well, I was lifeguarding in England at the time, so I left. I left the ambulance service and picked up a job lifeguard. There was jobs going lifeguarding in England. A mate of mine said there's jobs going in England for for lifeguards, and the pay's not too bad. You know, considering where you're living and it's travel and it's Europe, and I was like, absolutely, sign me up. I was 27, I think, at the time. Um, I, I just met my now wife. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, we've been sort of dating a couple of months. I was like, oh, by the way, I sort of haven't mentioned this, but I've got a ticket to England. If you if you want to come, you know, you can still buy tickets. Like, like you can. I don't know if you, if that interests you at all. But uh, her brother had um, moved, had was living over there at the time. She was sort of by chance planning to go and see him anyway. So the stars aligned, you know. Like, and she came out a few weeks later. But I got a job lifeguarding in England, and towards the end of the summer, a uh, midsummer, I heard of a job going in Ireland in Waterford, and uh, gave the guys a call, gave um, Dottie O'Calibran a, a call, um, and said, and "said you know, hey, I'm I'm from Australia. I'm got about 500 hours in my logbook. I'm a crewman. I'm a, win a rescue swimmer and a hoist operator. I've worked on these." You know, five or six different airframes from anywhere from a Bell 412 to a Jet Ranger. Um, and I'm a paramedic. Um, he's like, oh, oh, you're looking for a job. When can you start? When can, where are you? What's going on? You know, like, because they'd, sort of, <laughs> they'd, had a, they'd had a period where a couple of people had, had, you know, just resigned due retirement and a couple of people had moved on. That had, you know, a couple of people had, had in, injured themselves. And so they were sort of pretty short on the roster. So I was right place at the right time, basically um and had the right awesome. qualifications you know so um the advantage of of bouncing around job to job to job um it sort of paid off for me there so so i went across and spent a year down there at waterford and had a had a great time i really enjoyed it actually it was um very, a lot of fun really really great people to spend some time with and um and and an amazing experience you know my first real exposure to uh um to big aircraft and and solid yeah. training solid budgets solid oceans you know all weather saw it was um yeah it was i learned a lot I had a great time so man that's awesome gosh i yeah. i would love to get out there and work with those guys just for for some of their stuff i mean just talking to all those guys and what they do oh my gosh it's amazing yeah so yeah it's um it's um it's yeah it's an interesting place to go it's it's definitely um it's definitely all where this are so, so yeah north of oh, yeah. Doris, so, you know like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's a good place yeah. that's awesome yeah, well you had fun. mentioned uh getting some good star cases out there and whatnot and whatnot but let's uh let's back up to your very first one do you remember your very first rescue yeah, I looked in my logbook and I found it actually. Um, Did you really? Talking. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember, and um, but then I remember. You know, when you when you look it up, you you do find it. So I just I just qualified, and the place I was working, they also had a jet ranger, just um, that was really just a training machine, um, you know, cheap cheap training aircraft, and I dropped in just after I qualified to pick up something, you know, and just say good day to the guys and. The job phone rang. There was a local mountain, uh, Mount Coolum, that was on fire, and there was some there was people at the top of it. So, um, and the, the bottom half of the mountain was where the where the track was was engulfed. You know, like, and I didn't 
I just sort of turned up. I'd just been for a surf. I had a pair of board shorts on. I didn't even have a t-shirt on. Like I didn't have <laughs> shoes on, you know, like I'm 18, like, you know, like, yeah, I just, that's what you did, you know, like I'm uh, not really thinking much ahead of life, you know, I'm going for a surf and I've got 20 bucks in my pocket. You know, what else do I need? Um, I was just dropping in and, and the bell goes off and, and, you know, the, the, the online aircraft's out on another job somewhere. And um, they're like, look, we got to get these people off, you know. And um, the chief pilot was there doing admin. He was like, oh, look, I can go. And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm just looking at a crewman's just walked in the door now. So, yeah, we can we can go and do this, you know. Like, that's all I heard. And, <laughs> and he puts the phone down and said, um, mate, get your flight suit on. Uh, we got a job. I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, and... And away we went. So up to this, um, I found some clothes and I had, you know, I had a locker there and everything in it. So, you know, I kitted up and suited up and had everything I needed. And um, we went up and um, there was, um, there was eight or nine people up there as a kid. There was a dog, something, you know, like a, like an infant, you know, like a one yeah. year old or something like that and a baby carrier and, um, and seeing and this, and this mountain's on fire. Like it's, you know, it's a lot of smoke there's a lot of flame and it's like man this is this is getting pretty close so we were able to land up there because it's a jet ranger and started ferrying people off and you know had to do three or four ferries to get people off um and you know by the end i was like man this, this fire is actually pretty close here we're sort of with the last the last men the last bloke that were up there were like he's looking at me going what are we going to do and i was like oh they'll be back mate don't worry it'll be okay you know <laughs> and i'm thinking i don't know at all mate but i'm just i'm just <laughs> i'm just trying to cuff it here like, like, hoping me mate pete's gonna come pick me up you know so and obviously he did and, don't and, leave me don't leave me don't leave me don't leave me yeah 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 so uh god we'll come back so um so that was um that was the that was the first job and i'd forgotten about that job but it was a, it was a nice little job you know to to get as my oh, first real awesome. stuff yeah it was yeah. pretty cool and especially because and then i just um got back and got changed and went on my merry way so it was sort of it was really interesting to because i wasn't rostered on that day or anything you know the guys that were out there on some boring medical job you know not doing anything interesting you know yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. man so that that's was, that's that was, freaking awesome that was job one so um you know first real sar case so oh yeah. i gotta imagine like you walked away from like an ultimate high after that day yeah, yeah, you know, like you, you, you're young and um, and I've just been through my training, so it's your first real job, and you, you know, it's enjoyable and and it and it happens so quickly, and um, and you, you know, the, to have the chief pilot just, you know, as I, I literally just strolled through the door, and he was the only one there, so I just sort of, you know, waved to him as he was on the phone, not really understanding who he was talking to or anything like that. To 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 that straight away, it was um, was good, you know, and he was a. Uh, he was an ex-Vietnam pilot. He actually won a, um, a distinguished flying cross in Vietnam. So he's a oh, gentleman. Wow. I, yeah, I keep in touch with him now. He came to my wedding. He's a um, really, really nice guy. Um, very respected person in the industry. But um, but even back then, I was like, wow, he, he trusted me to go and do that straight away. That's that's pretty cool. So uh, Yeah, hey, so I was in interesting. I, I recall like feeling that now, you know, like, you know, as I was leaving, I was like, wow, that's pretty it's pretty interesting. So, um, so yeah. That, Betsy, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was cool. <laughs> so, yeah. 
<laughs> well, let's keep it going, man. What uh I know you've got a couple memories, uh like good memorable cases, I should say, like out of your your time being a crew member. So what else you got, man? Yeah. I um I do all the all the usual sort of things that, that most people get, I suppose. The next real decent memorable thing for me was that as I said, that time in Ireland. Um one of the things that really struck me about the Irish guys and I really saw a, a big um a big change is those guys did did very solid, very realistic training, you know. So um or I think it was day four or five or six or something like that. We um we did just did a scenario where you went to beside the cliffs of Mohair in Ireland, which are about three hundred odd foot, and yeah. um, and they placed a dummy at the bottom of the cliffs, and you had to basically you know hoist down and pick it up because they they based that training on on real life scenario um, and and demonstrating a capability. They didn't want they wanted to somehow quantify that a crewman wasn't going to freeze up when they needed them to do something to the extent of the limit of the of the airframe in a way like it's not really the extent of the airframe but it's 300 foot where the cable it's 300 foot right. cliffs you know the only way to get to get these people off is to is um in certain locations there is to hoist so they had a very quantifiable way to achieve that you know and um and it's one of those things i you you pull up in there and i know this is not a job or anything but you pull up there and um in the hover and you look at all these people taking a photo of you and you're like, I just wish I had one of those photos. <laughs> it's one of those photos you'll never get of yourself. And you think, oh, well, it's just it's the way things are. But, um, but uh, we had, had a few. You know, I, I got you, like, you gotta, you gotta picture that for a second. Like you're the guy hanging underneath the helicopter, 250 feet off the bottom of the cliffs of cliffs of more. Is that what you said? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the West Coast. And there. somebody's taking a shot of you overlooking the ocean or over with the cliffs like right next to you. Oh my gosh. Looking out off the cliff. Like it's a yeah, you know, you're looking straight out. You're looking yeah. at America, you know, like um just um, <laughs> in, into the horizon. It's a spectacular, but beautiful place, beautiful place. And as um, you're going down, you're like, hey, how you doing? Oh, what's yeah, up? yeah, it's kind of well, you know, like I was I was like. You know, it's it's my it's my new job. You know, focus on what you're doing. Don't worry yeah. about that. But I just had this moment in my head. Where I was like, I'd really like one of these photos, but I know I'll never get one. You know, like I'll never, I'll never get one. Oh but, wow! Um, I was Dang, man, of, that's cool. Um, but I did all the usual sorts of jobs that those guys get. They get a lot of fishing trawls, a lot of you know they they do maritime sars. They're they're bread and butter over there, and they and they do it very very well because they train very realistically. Um, that's a very simple training sortie but a very simple ex um, example of realistic training they, they train for a certain outcome um and and in that sortie they're just trying to see uh, is, is this person going to freeze up when we put them 300 foot off the ground and ask them to hoist all the way down all the way back up and do that a couple of times you know it's very quantifiable yeah. and very easy but um um but um the training out there was was really quite good but um we did did a job down on the south coast there. I was trying to think back as sort of some of the more hairy, you know, jobs that that, that we all do. Um, we're on a search down on the south coast uh, for a fisherman that had uh, fallen overboard. And um, it was typical Irish weather, you know, 40, 50 knots, six odd metre seas, you know, like just a, just yeah. a normal, 
a normal, you know, autumn day probably, you know, for them, you know, nothing overly, for the Irish, honestly, nothing overly exceptional in, in, in weather terms, you know, but uh, for the rest of us, it's, you know, it's sort of the upper end of where we'd, we'd potentially be operating out on our, on our window. But um, there was a lifeboat out there um, that actually rolled over. So the, the lifeboat rolled and there was two of the crew got injured. One had a, um, had um, basal skull impact and um, neurology in one arm, you know, like um, pins and needles in the arm and, um, and we're concerned of spinal fracture or spinal, not so much spinal fracture, but spinal injury, obviously. And another gentleman had a dislocated knee. So um, we um, obviously thought, well, you know, we'll medivac them um, out of there and we um, high line down. I went halfway down and then we snapped a high line, snapped a weak link um, on the high line just because the boat's moving around a lot. You know, the aircraft's moving quite a bit because um, it, it was very gusty sort of winds, that 40 to 50 knot gusty sort of yeah. untight untidy sort of wind you know and and short choppy seas but really significant you know the boats like almost disappearing down behind those really choppy swells and then sort of it's riding straight back up um, um over the top of the of the chop um so i back i was back up recovered um another high line down got um got close to the guardrail and then the aircraft got hit by a gust of wind and then they were calling the aircraft forward and I could hear it all through the polycon and then um, I started to get a pendulum like a, a, a big pendulum acceleration through as yeah. the aircraft started to sort of push through a gust of wind and the crewman's calling you know back 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 um, and I, you can see what's happening of course but you got you don't have any time to even think about actioning a quick release system or anything it happened so quickly I was I was literally just about to cross the guardrail. And um, as that's occurred, the, the boat's gone up as well. I've come in and down. And I, the last thing I heard was Max saying, oh, fuck, I've killed him. So, oh, <laughs> like in that, in that Irish, you know, like, feck. <laughs> and, um, and I got pendulum underneath the boat. like under, And I just had time to act like a cat and get all four paws up and sort of facing forwards and, Fortunately, I was riding the high line. Neville Murphy taught me a really good technique to ride the high line, which is basically put your two feet over the high line, um, yep. push your feet over the high line, hang on to the handle, and that way you're facing the boat. You know, like all your danger is in front of you. Your feet are going to hit first. Your hands are going to hit second, and hopefully you'll be able to push yourself off. Like I remember him literally saying that to me at one point in my training. There, I was like, that's, "Really that's, nice." This guy knows what you know. This guy's clearly highly experienced you know like david listened to what he's saying you know like i remember thinking this and then as i'm going in under this boat i can hear neville's voice going yeah your feet will hit first your hands will hit second and then you'll hopefully push off you know like and, and that's literally what happened i sort of ended up pendulum underneath the back of the boat i can remember i can feel the cable like pushing me all the way up and underneath the back of the boat and then i pushed off i can hear the motor i can hear the whir of the prop I come back out and had grease all up the side of my dry suit, up my left leg, and all the way up to sort of my mid flank, and um, and you know water in the dry suit, up and obviously, and so obviously we, you know, pickled that off like um, brought me, you know, obviously up the aircraft, yeah. you know, let's yeah, abort let's not, that. let's let's, 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 let's abort reset. this and get that <laughs> and get that aircraft, get those guys 
um, to steam in. So we, um, you know, found a place to land, found a harbour to land at, went and landed there, recap, recovered those those two guys, and then um, and then you know, like like all of us in these things, and you've got two two cat two, two patients to deal with, so dealt with them, rinse and repeat, and get them up to up to Cork Hospital. So um, that was that was one of the one of the the more memorable sort of jobs that I had there where it where it didn't go as swimmingly as as plans but um but the, the all the all the usual sort of jobs out there I ended up 187 miles out off the off the court coast at, at night and had an hour and two hours or something on scene some ridiculous period of time on scene for a for a search, um, a, you know, fruitless search in the end, but um, it was a um, it was a nothing job in the end. But um, but it, I was sort of thinking, how did I end up here? You know, like I was <laughs> I was I was an eighteen year old kid that barely passed high school. That you know, like started in a squirrel, and then at age twenty seven, I'm over here. It's, um, it was um, um, with these fine folks, you know. So it's um, you know, was... if you haven't been out on some ridiculous search uh, in the middle of nothing and finding nothing going home empty-handed then you have not been doing our type of job for a long time yeah long yeah enough. exactly right <laughs> yeah exactly right so oh my uh, gosh yeah um so i did a year there um which was a lot of fun had a, had a great time um then um returned back to the uk for a little while and returned back to australia um did um, did a body recovery for a gentleman that committed suicide on a um, on about a three and a half thousand foot sheer face. Um, so as a team, they were rope down to a, to a face, and then um, and fortunately, that just the angle of the cliff, um, we were able to get in and and hover. But we were I can't remember the exact altitude, but it was something like three and a half odd thousand feet to the valley floor. Like it was a long way. I was like, man, this is a really long way. You know, look at them. And I remember pulling up in the hover thinking, this is a lot further than the cliffs of my hair. <laughs> like I was, it was, it was, and ironically, that was my, um, I'd just done a check to line flight with that, with a company that I'd previously been working with back at home. I came back in, checked. Just finished the the sequence, rinse and repeat, get back online, and and um, and then that job came in. So, um, but um, to get in and get out, we actually employed a, a highline technique out of uh, which we did, which we obviously do down here. But um, we employed the classic Irish highline technique. So I was able to email the guys and say, "Oh, just um, thanks, thanks for the skills. We just used it over here." So that was. Um, Anyone that's been on on the side of those mountains and and come in and out by aircraft, you know, it's 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 a little bit different to climbing them. It's a little bit different to walking along the side of them because you get that it's that depth perception rush that you get. It's right. like a real visual sort of um, thing. So hard to explain for those that don't know, but those that know will you know have been in that situation before, as many of us all around the world have. So that was yeah. um, especially on rocks and cliffs and the faces. It's it is. There is such a different view from not only when you're flying up to the edge of a cliff, but then the guy as your hoist operator, as your witch operator, when you're looking down uh, through or just just that that vertical reference is so much different than the guy that's at, on the hook. And as you and I both know, when you're guy mm -hmm. on the hook, you get down and everything that you thought you 
looked at it and evaluated in the air. Now you get down to the cliff and you're like, wow, this, this is way different. You know, you missed an yes. overhang, you missed a crevice, you missed a crack, you missed the fact there's a flat area or what you thought was a flat area is now a sheer drop off. And you're like, it's not oh, a flat area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And it's, it is very deceiving from all three positions when, when you're looking mm, at it. Absolutely. It's wild. So yeah, for those absolutely. that have not done cliff rescue, uh, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother bag of tricks that you gotta, you have to practice. There's, there's no question about it. If you're going to get into that, you've got to practice it. So, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, not long after that, I did a rescue on what was called the Osmide. So I was, um, we have the Sydney, the Hobart, um, yacht race down here. Um, it's a, it's a fairly, um, um, yachties are called a chari sort of a yacht race. Cause it can, it can, um, it can take some pretty big weather and, um, down through Bass Strait in the Southern part of Australia, you get the Southern ocean swells, um, come up and push down um push a lot of lot of seas up so there's a, a, a yacht down here called osmo was called osmade um it had it had taken that out several times um just locally out, out the front here with just where i live at just off noosa it um it had rolled in a storm um and demastered obviously when it rolled um and so it was, you know typical typical sort of um quite australian ocean storm you know again yeah. big sea low visibility all the all the usual stuff that you know like that our colleagues are all all used to dealing with um and um so we ended up ended up out on that and just the the techniques that we use down down here is um, we just did a direct deployment into the water um and then swim to the boat um i um at one point there, just the way the aircraft and the boat and the swells were moving, I started getting dragged towards the boat, towards the rigging, basically at the back of the boat, obviously a spot that I didn't want to be. Um, and then I felt some rigging wrap around my leg and ended up in a bit of a tug of war with the aircraft, you know, like, and we had a harness you couldn't, that didn't have a quick release system of any description on it. Okay. Um, the hoist operator could sort of, could see, Jim could tell, he could see what was going on and gave me some cable. So I was able to get off the, off the hook and unfoul myself from the back of the boat. That's um, right, because you guys don't the, disconnect from the hook when you get in the water, do you? De depends where you work, basically. Okay. Like most of the places I've worked, you do. Um, a lot of places down here um, don't. Now, depending on their swimming ability, really is what it comes down to. There's some operators that do and some that don't. And generally, those that don't generally don't accept um, or don't don't go out into stormy in water ocean environments they'll, they'll still it. do a lot of the um standard mativac type of work and they'll you know go into marginal weather environments but if they, they sort of have self-imposed weather limits because they just they self-recognize they don't have that skill set is is a is a way to sort of explain that but the company i was working with um at the time yeah we we did do that you know you could either um you could pre-deploy or direct deploy into the into the water depending on on what you wanted to do both both procedures were options in, in the in the ops manual you know so nice um, i like options that's why i say yeah that. exactly yeah so they're you know easy guys to work with and, and quite professional guys there at um sunshine coast helicopter rescue service you know like just a just a, a, a smaller sort of operator um at the time um but that was a 
60 foot yacht you know it's dismastered in the water and and just anyone that's climbed up the side of a yacht in the in the water you know you, you know you're getting close to it and you can feel that thing slapping up and down through the water as it's getting up and the and the slap and you're trying to time it to to get your, your time to swim in and grab the guardrail when it's low so that you know that when it comes high you're going to be hanging onto the side of the boat and then low again and flip yourself up and over so um, I managed to achieve that surprisingly um, for anyone. Well done, you know, sir. Well done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things you think, yeah, I've, I've learned about this technique and, um, you know, I've done it in training before, but we'll see how this goes as it, uh, as it, as it comes off, you know. So, if there was any um, question as to why we need to work out, that would be it right there. Just, just throwing that out. Yeah, there. correct. Yeah. If anyone needs to understand why you need to be fit, um, that's, that's it. You know, you don't yeah. need to be we don't need to be superhuman fit we don't need to be fast we're not olympic swimmers but but we need to be have an ability to lift ourselves and shift ourselves you know and yep. and, and a bit of with us you know so um so three on board for that one with um fractured shoulder blade um very untidy deck state you know fractured fiberglass everywhere steel all over the place cables everywhere you know just just very very untidy um um deck as as we all know that for those environments um got the first gentleman off and we just we uh, got hit by a squall just had complete white out in the aircraft so we just zero visibility um and we're just in a little bk117 you know so um you oh, wow. getting but it around and pushed and so we you know fortunately we were able to push downwind to a hospital um and and shoot an approach and and get into uh get into a hospital local which is not a, not the ideal hospital to take the gentleman to but you know the absence of alternatives clears the mind marvelously um and um <laughs> As, as a friend of mine once said, and um, and that's what we did, you know. So we got in there, then got a break in the weather, able to get back to base. Um, and it was, and we actually grabbed a second pilot and punched back out to get the uh, to get the next two. Um, the Coast Guard had the boat under tow by the time we got back out, a bit over an hour and a half odd later. Um, and at that stage, the we um, because they were under tow, um, and all the rigging was was dragging um, on the rearward side of the vessel, and there was no way they were going to you know um, cut the rope away and try and reestablish or anything like that. So we um, got them to go as dead in the water as possible, um, and got the guy one at a time to jump off the front of the boat. So I ho um, hoisted down moved in got them to jump and then that last sort of five feet foot ten foot winch into the water snatch and grab and and move them out the way um from nice. that was a was an effective technique um in, yeah. in that set um and it was really that the, the time that we didn't have you know we we didn't want to go direct to the boat because it was moving around way too much it was um it was bobbing around way too much for the skill set that we had here, you know, had had I been in Ireland, the guys would have done a high line transfer and a direct deploy, and they would have got on very tidy and very simply. Um, it's what they're used to. It's just the skill set of our of our guys down here. It was a more comfortable way to work as a crew to to do it under um, to do it when the vessel was under tow like that. So, um, how did you get the first guy off? Did you have? I mean, with him having, uh, a, you said an injured shoulder, right? 
unfortunately, I just dropped him. You know, like I just sort of said, mate, I'm I'm not bringing a stretcher down here for this. I'm, you, you're just going to have to accept a, a, a bit of pain. And I, um, um, he put you an arm right around off the boat and, with him or out of the water. Yeah, direct direct recovery straight off the boat. Okay. Um, and he held an arm around me um, as well. And we it was a strop with a uh, double strop technique. So one strop on, then strop under the legs. So he came out, you know, partially horizontal Beautiful. and um, and hit on the side and. Um, um, you know, it was, it turned out to be a small fracture. Like he still had function of that arm and grip strength and everything in that arm, but obviously significant pain because he'd taken a, a, a hit and there turned out to be some small fractures in there, as you'd expect. Um, yeah. in a, in a, you know, 60 foot yacht that's been dismastered and demastered yeah. and, you know, it had seven ton of lead in the keel, you know, that's still sitting out there somewhere, you know, so, yeah. um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's yeah. how we, we got that guy off. And um, and then straight after that, and obviously with those weather events, uh, you get a lot of flooding and a lot of um, lot of other events. So we went and did a, a lot of flood relief work that afternoon as well. So we picked up another 15-odd people in various states, you know, in various locations and just, just really just flying around in sort of a rural environment that was rapidly going underwater and just landing and picking people up and dropping them off at farmhouses and, finding cars that were, you know, semi-submerged and and just just picking them up and just moving, bouncing one to the next to the next, sort of just in this, this small little environment. So um, it was a... Wow. It was an interesting day. It was the, and it was the first day, it was the second day of a new sponsor. So they were they were ecstatic because, you know, like it, it's, it's, you know, one of those once every decade style of sort of rescues and, just, you know, um, new cycles. So it, it popped up in a lot of new cycles. So it sort of ended up, um, they, they were really happy with it, obviously. And, and the community was too, you know. So it was sort of, um, that was um, a bit of a memorable one. Wow. But, um, those guys... So it, let me back up something real quick. Because you, you brought up kind of a good discussion point that, that I like. Uh, and I talk about quite a bit, and that's the skill set. Like you guys went into a, a vessel that was dead in the water. And mm -hmm. hoist you down to the water. You climbed aboard the vessel, and then picked the guy up off the vessel. Now the vessel's in tow. You said an hour or two hours later from the coast guard, and it's bobbing even more. So you had those the last two victims jump off the boat into the water, and then you get them out of the water. So for yeah. us as as air crewmen, um, especially swimmers, our, our our world is in the water, and to get somebody out of the water is way easier than it is to get off the boat and. I don't know if people don't understand that, but when you ask somebody to jump off the boat into the water and they're like, what you want me to do? What? Like, yeah, it's, it's easier for us. Trust me. You know, but the fact that what I want to do is get to a skill set. The fact that you guys evaluated that in the aircraft at that moment in time to say, yeah, no, this is, this is too much. There's an easier way to do this. Well done. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and the first one to, to get on the boat, it was an easier way. We just sort of thought, well, we'll have a look at it. And where the rigging was, it was out one one quarter of the boat and it all looked pretty tidy and it all looked pretty good. And that's why we assessed as that, that'll be, we'll attack it from the port quarter. Everything was out sort of the starboard side. And I sort of swam in on that on that um, side to see if that was the, the best option. Um, and it was it's sort of a good, 
a good rescue for me in that you're using different techniques on the one rescue and um yeah. and you know um had had we attacked that rescue now the the skill set of the high line's gone up and so that was what i was able to bring back from ireland is, is yeah. hey you know like, this would have been easier doing it this way and explaining it showing the guys some videos and some techniques and and it's that benefit we get of being able to share experiences that that um that the last sort of 10 or 15 years we've really changed a lot in the industry i think you know that we're able to to look at how other people are doing things and do it a different way so or do, yeah. or do do different jobs a different way so um, or just yeah. add another tool to the toolbox you know another option yeah yeah I'm, I'm absolutely all about it. yeah that's uh, yeah. that's awesome you know it, it it goes one more step with that too because you guys went out to do three people off a, a sailboat that that rolled um you got one guy that's injured there and then you're going to pick people off what rooftops and a flooded community cars like, would we yeah. tell everybody you never know what we're going to get called out for we never know what we're going to get called out for so you better yeah, be ready yeah exactly. for anything because yeah like like you said you went to a boat offshore a sailboat offshore that was all mangled to now in a community picking people off rooftops it's crazy yeah 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 um the the, <laughs> the the day accelerates quickly you know like i um i went for a surf that morning because it was really good surf and there's a point i'm sure there, it was dude you know, down the road that's, <laughs> that, that is protected and it was really you know this is awesome it's raining it's, you know like i mean it was busy there's a lot of people out because it was great surf you know but but you stick your head out around that headland and it's it it was untidy you know so um you know not surprising you know those those guys got um got into trouble you know so yeah, um, yeah so um, hey man sick yeah but, um, well so done was, so, uh, so i sort of i stayed there and then i sort of had that you know quarter life crisis again like, you know not really sure what i want to do I'm not, you know <laughs> I, I, I went back to the ambulance service and i was like oh, i don't want to do this i don't want to be working night shifts on a truck somewhere i'm not i'm not interested you know I, I i enjoy it but i'm not interested and um i sort of always had this childhood harbor to join the military i couldn't really place my finger on why i wanted to do it or what i wanted to do so i thought it'd be a a good idea to become a clearance diver so um so you can direct you can direct entry as a as a um special forces clearance diver down here in australia so you wow go i don't know and, what a clearance diver is so you'll have to it's, it's mine clearance so it's um it's oh. it's um, explosive ordnance disposal the maritime you know underwater eid and um and and land-based you know task group and tactical eid so so you can direct you can direct entry into that in Australia, which is brilliant. Like I was like, oh, sounds like a great idea at 31 to, to, to give that a go. So what what could possibly go wrong? You know, so um so you know, I just um oh just god made sure I was fit enough and and quit work and had a bit of had took about four months off just to to eat, sleep, and train. Um before, you know, you know, I was um pretty pretty fit beforehand already you know just as we all are but then I just sort of did just the specific level um, style of training um, that you'd need to do for that for that industry um 
and and got through. So um, managed to get through without injury or or anything at all. So um, so it was um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And then um, you know all the all the usual stuff that those that, that you have to go through to to get through those courses. Yeah. You know, deciding, do I really want to do this? You know, like, <laughs> do I uh, do I really want to be here? You know, um, and um, and obviously I did. You know, so because uh, I stayed and I, and I got through it, and you know, it's um, it's I don't mind cold water anymore. I don't really mind being tired anymore. You know, like I don't. I can yeah. stand being hungry and just go. Oh, well, it's just the way it is. You know, like. This too shall pass. I'll I'll be warm. I'll be warm again soon. You know, I'll be. So, I don't know when, but at some point, I'll be standing in a warm shower. So the world's okay. Um, <laughs> Rule number uh, five: embrace the suck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but but again, it was the, the interesting part about about that training was that they I saw a lot of similarities to Ireland, in that they had predefined limits that they had to achieve like they had to you know on um, certain depths you have to be able to dive certain endurances that you have to be able to swim certain um you know you, you have certain amount of you know time over distance targets you have to hit you know long times in you know three three four hours you know like long time in the water you know um and and be able to achieve certain goals and i really saw a lot of um, a lot of similarities to what they to what they did in Ireland. It was it was very very realistic training. It was um, it was very much this is what we need you to do. So we're going to do this in training. So um, which which I I found quite enjoyable. I I understood why they were doing it. I understood why we were trying to achieve it. Um, and I just sort of treated it as a training session. You know, I sort of thought I'll just you know treat this as a, you know as a as, as, a, as a bit of an, you know, as a, as a adventure race or something, you know, like, so I sort of rolled through like that, you know, um, but um, so, I, you know, dive sets one 40 kilos, another 20 or 30 kilos worth of, worth of gear and you're sort of pushing along, going, man, I've got as much weight as I am, I've got <laughs> 70 kilos ringing wet, you know, <laughs> um, this is gonna uh, be a while, you know, but um but, 20, 30 uh, meters underwater. <laughs> yeah, or or we did a lot, you know, they do a lot of very shallow water stuff as well, like a very uh, a lot of very shallow navigation, you know, trying to get to a location and and do a task um type stuff. So, you know, um and and very realistic training, you know, put in the middle yeah. of the harbor, in a in a working harbor. And it's like get from point A to point B and, and make sure you don't get hit by a boat or found, you know. So um so it was um yeah, it was it was it was good. Wow. I, I very much enjoyed it. So I very much enjoyed that. Uh, you, you get you know, to, going from from rescue side to that like uh underwater what is it underwater like I so disembodied yeah oh, yeah mine clearance id um tactical operations you know um that's, tactical, a, that's, you know, that's one heck of a job to get into <laughs> yeah so it's um um it was like i said i had this sort of this this boyhood dream that i couldn't really place it place a finger on or, or quantify um and it was actually a friend of mine's wife um was a recruiter for the military and she um she said to me um as i was going through the selection process you know 
before you go in, like in your interview phase, what do you want to do? You know, your aptitude testing and all that sort of stuff. I was looking at commando and clearance diver as the two things because you could actually direct entry as both. And she she said to me one day, she said, Dave, you know, if you fail course as a commando, you she actually so both of these jobs have you know 90 odd percent failure rate for people that we get because what we do is we do. recruit people to do this and then we stick them somewhere else like that's what we do you know like she, now she was very honest and she was like you're 30 you know <laughs> like um if you go in as a as a commando and you end up injured which most of these people do you end up a cook because it's the only thing we can put you in if you've got a gammy knee you know like we ain't going to discharge you for your four years that you might get you might be lucky and end up as a medic if you if you injure yourself badly you know so um she said but as a clearance diver we can guarantee you'll go in as a medic or we can you know, you can discharge, you can actually discharge as a, um, as an injured sailor. Like that, that's actually a thing in the, in the Navy. It's a lot easier than, than the army. The army don't really let you out like at all, you know? So, um, and, and clearance of was something I wanted to do over commando anyway, because I'm, you know, a bit of a water baby and growing up yeah. in the environment and then works, you know, working in the environment that we've worked in. So that was how I sort of ended up in, in that, um, that thing, but it was that, you know, sinking realization that this, this could all go horribly wrong, you know, <laughs> this, this is, and, and, um, and make sure oh your prior preparation is sorted out, you know, and that's really through just through, through training and, um, through fitness and it, um, and it's just consistency. It was just, it was just consistency. You know, you're not having, yeah. and, and, and being comfortable spending long periods of time being uncomfortable. So yeah. it's not too dissimilar to a rescue swimmer. You know, it's, it's not too dissimilar to the, to the roles that we've, that I'd previously done. Um, and that we, and that we all do, you know, so I had a, I had a paramedic asked me once and a critical care paramedic um, asked me once about it. And I said, mate, it's, a, it's the same sort of people that do this, that, that do that role that that go and do that that critical care role they they spend two and a half years getting themselves sorted out to then go through an 18 month course to go through that it's the same personality i just chose to to get my level slowly get my level of fitness up to a suitable standard to to be able to you know spend 10 hours on my back finning in the water overnight rather than sleeping you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, because that's what you have to do. You know, they, they train, like a, just, yeah. just go over there. You know, like, oh, it's against yeah. the tide. Yeah. Oh, this is going to take forever. <laughs> you know, like, this is going to take the whole tide change until we get up there. You know, like, so you just, oh. you just know that you're not. Like, it's like, this is horrendous. So, and you're going backwards for, you know, at the, at the high point of the tide, you just see yourself drifting backwards against the, against the landscape just you know just like oh this is this is horrendous. you know and people are just like that nah, i've had enough i'm out you know like cramping up all over the place and just like nah, yeah yeah i'm out so um so but the, it's a very similar mindset to to my colleagues and my friends that, and that's why i really returned to the rescue swimmer community it was actually a very similar mindset so um so i got out of that and 
worked in the fires for a little bit as a crewman, which I'd already done some work before. So I managed to catch those large fires that they, that we had down here in 2019. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, holy uh, smoke. Those no. were all over the news. Yeah, yeah, those. Uh, I don't, actually, no, I'd already. I'd already, no, I am, um, after I got out, I'd, uh, after I got out, I did a, you know, again, midlife crisis. What am I going to do? Four years in the Navy, had a great time, saved a bit of money again. I'm back at the same point I was four years ago. I don't know what I want to, you know, like try and, and find a job, what I want to do. And um, an apprenticeship became available as a as an engineer, as an airframe mechanic. So um, so, so I jumped on that. Um, I, I sort of always enjoyed working with those guys and enjoyed aviation and um the whole way through, I'd managed to maintain my paramedic qualification. The Navy gave me special leave to go and work for the ambulance service. The ambulance service let me work for them um, if I did manual skills every six months and I worked with another qualified paramedic and I just had to do 10 shifts a year. So they were incre- um, 12 shifts a year. They were incredibly accommodating, you know. So they were like, well, you haven't, you haven't been along that far. You know, it's only been 18 months in that sausage factory to get through dive school to 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 get through course, you know, so, and once I was at the active teams, they, they were happy to, to have me there. And cause they thought, well, it's a, it's another skill set of, um, of another person, you know, that might be handy one day, you know, like that, that might actually be useful, you know? So, um, so they were, they were quite accommodating and, and a professional, very highly professional group of people and, and, and took that, took that on, you know, um, as, as, wow. as a bonus. So, um, so then I got out and did an engineering apprenticeship and um, and went back to earning first year apprentice wages at, at you know, 35 or something. So, so that was incredibly, incredibly tight. But uh, for, for, well, for Carly and I, she supported me and we managed to, to get through that. I was earning more in one casual shift that I did once a fortnight in the ambulance that I was that I was earning in a in a week for this in a fortnight as a um, as a as a first year apprentice. <laughs> Again, do you really want to do this, David? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> is this really, you know, like is this going to um, the only moratorium that Carly put on it was that this is your last um, you know, if, yeah. if you're gonna do this, you know, we have we have to stop this, you know. So um, well, it's it's funny because it's it's actually brought you into a little bit of what you're doing, actually a lot of what you're doing now, which is yeah, absolutely, yeah. So so since that, um, um, so I finished my uh, finished apprenticeship, got my license, and worked out. And I still do a little bit of um, um, contract work um, at the moment, not a lot, but a little bit. But mainly yep. my main focus work now is with. Axnes Wireless Intercom Systems and with Life Saving Systems Corporation. What? what? I, am I representing the shirt? Yes, I am. Represent. <laughs> so, um, so. And for those of you that don't know, Quinny put this shirt on just before the podcast and I ah! realized I don't even own one. So, so, I was, so hence, I don't have one on and I don't have an LSC shirt either because. You know, we get to these trade shows and we just give them all away and then there's none left in the bucket at the end of the day. And yeah, I'll get another one next time. You know, so five years later, here I am, no shirt. So, so here we are. But, um, but I've managed to, to put a, a, broad, a broad base and spending all those short periods of time, I suppose, you know, the, the six weeks here and the, 
five years as a you know so i was on road as a paramedic for five years um and then and then some other contract stints as well and the 12 months in ireland gave me a different exposure level and and the navy gave me and then the engineering sort of gave me a, a, a lot of these broad exposure levels um to to be a jack of all trades um you know as as such um and that's really moved me into a space where i'm able to um i do a lot of um certification type work with with both companies now so i assist them because i've got the operational understanding of um you know got that experience and exposure and contacts to be able to just ring up my mates and go hey what do you reckon about this you know this is what we're thinking this you know what's the what's the positives and negatives of this and 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 be able to have a conversation and really understand what the rescue swimmers are saying um because you know the longer we're out of it the more you forget um like like any trade or anything that you do you know like you do get skill fade you know but um um doing that so so yeah which is a really enjoyable um enjoyable phase you know we've um, when i first started with lsc um it was about 12 months after mario started there and and re- he's really taken me under his wing and really explained you know helped me understand a lot of um of how to write well and how to how to research well and how to look for, through these things and helped me um very much understand how to get into those processes and you know he's just sent me a book i've got here on um so at the moment I'm sitting up at night reading steel uh, metallurgy for the non-metallurgist, which is definitely me because I'm definitely not a metallurgist. But, um, but you know, you know what? If it's to... Mario's recommendation, you might as well go with it. Thank you, Mr. Mario. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Cover to cover, and there'll be a book report on it. You know, so, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be But. Um, oh. That really Get, hey uh, you know what when you're done with your book report send it to me so i have the clip notes thanks yeah no i don't have a book report <laughs> <laughs> around, but, but um but yeah it's um it's it's been a great it's been a great curve that i've been on over the last few years um and incredibly enjoyable because we've we've really squared up on a, on a lot of things that we've um had to do and with the feedback um things like you're doing and social media, being able to talk to people and 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 that reach that we now have available. And when you don't know something, you can just reach out to the community and, and, and I, you know, send someone a message on social media saying, hey, I'll, this is who I am. I saw you did this. So I want to talk to you about this. this is what I'm trying to achieve. You know, can, I, can we have a chat? And the, the, the community that we've got here as rescue swimmers is phenomenal like we really do oh, yeah. look after well you know like it um people will 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 gladly you know give you half an hour and talk about what they're doing what they what they need what they're trying to achieve why they do things and that that really helps us um on this side of the fence now we're, we're involved you know trying to bring new product to market bring new product to solve problems that we have in, in the industry you know we've just we just got a um a shameless plug here for lsc but we just got a air rescue vest basically uh, we call it the triton survivor so yeah. it's the first uh, so it's, oh, we it's took a, the triton. yeah i'm really excited about that actually it, it's a really simple really um robust piece of kit you know we took yeah. the triton harness we modified it to um to basically be put on a survivor so you lost bushwalker someone that's you know minor injuries or only partial you know not not someone that's beaten up and needs to go into a litter or you know not someone that 
is where yeah. you need a quick drop or a basket or something else. But you know, the lost bushwalker is a is a great example. You know, um, someone on a ship that just um, that needs to come off and and due to size and space, the best way you have to take them out in a harness. You know, there's no other no other method of of doing it or or choice if you're using a smaller airframe like you're in a BK or a, or a squirrel. You know, something. You know, yeah. like you're in a smaller something like for for whatever reason you want to make a decision to put someone in a harness, we wanted to provide a, a certified harness. Um, and we wanted to be able to retain the life jacket ensemble on that because we, again, you take someone off a ship, you know, it's, it's a real thing. Like they might end yeah. up in the drink. Like the aircraft yeah. might, you know, oh, the life is way more comfortable life. than putting a quick strap on them, you know? Absolutely. And, and oh it's brilliant, you know, like, so it, it was, um, it was great. And it was, um, so when I, you know, Father Ron went over the States, worked with Mario and Sam Maness there is 78. And, you know, we're still in the in the shed at 7 p.m. at night, you know, like fixing this and making this thing. And he's super excited, like he's 18 again. And he's telling me stories from when he worked at NASA and like all these. So it's a really, really fun, really interesting, um, interesting time. And and um I think that's that's our industry through and through. You never know where yeah. you're going to end up. You never know what you're going to do, the people you're going to meet. And um, I think we do all embrace that pretty well, you know. Yeah. We, we, well, and we like you said, it's, it's to make things better and make the changes. I mean, you know, you and I were talking a little bit offline about just, it's like, it drives me up a, a wall with the, oh, this is the way we've always done it. Why yeah. is this the way we've always done it, you know? Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to bring this story up because you and I were chatting about it a little bit ago is you have a, uh, a term for, you know, cut cable or when you can shear the cable, you know, and there's a back and forth between the cockpit and the guy in the, the guy in the cabin. And, you know, in my opinion, everybody should have access and be able to cut the cable at all time. Well, in your story, if you don't mind alluding to it from this yeah. side, where it started and, and what you found. So when I, um, even when I first joined up in the, in the nineties, you know, like in the, in the pre-brief, you know, before you go flying or in a preamble, um, at, at some point when you're in a hover or something, you know, you're going through that, that pre-mission planning, you know, how are we going to do this? You know, at, at a point in the sequence in the flow, it had come up that the hoist operator would say, confirm I have cable cut authority. And the pilot would say, you, you confirm you do have cable, you know, yes, you have cable, something like that. And I was always like, what's the scenario where the hoist operator doesn't, you know, like, so I was always, always had a bit of an inquisitive, um, like, the why question, are you doing it? The, hold on you real know, quick. Like, that yeah, is before, the question to ask. Why? Why? Yeah. And you need an answer. I just need to know why. And it's yep. just, and, and I always got this answer. Oh, it's, it's, it's just our procedures. It's our procedures. It's sort of the way we've always and, done it. Oh, yeah, a and a lot of our procedures down here are dominated from the military, um, which which all over the world we are because you know they sort of, you know, that's where that's why Igor Sikorsky made a helicopter is because the military wanted one, you know. Right. So, so yeah. a lot of that stuff, you know, sort of, and they had the time to build the procedures, and it sort of flowed downhill from there. So, um, so fast forward to I'm um, you know midway through my engineering apprenticeship, and we get this um we get this jet ranger that comes in and it's got a hoist kit on it and um we're gonna we actually have got we're actually refurbing it to keep the hoist kit on it so we're gonna you know pull the thing off and we're and what the place that i worked there we did um where i did my apprenticeship we had 
17 odd jet ranges and at any one time we'd be completely overhauling one so it'd be like every nut bolt screw piece of wire completely 100% rewired everything had come out all the way down to the bare shell um, a lot of the time we'd re-tub the things so it's, you know the whole tub underneath had come out and, and redo so paint strip the whole thing down and, and build it back up again and um, as I'm building this building this thing back up I was working with the avionics guys it was part of my module and you know putting this hoist kit back in the aircraft and there's this and it's this there's this switch ensemble that's located down underneath your left leg in the jet ranger and it's the hoist power a cable cut um, circuit breaker and a cable cut actuation switch gutted switch and then an authority switch pilot or crewman it says cable cut authority pilot or crewman and I'm like, what? And then in the back, there's, yeah, in the back, there's a cable cut switch as well on the pendant. And I'm like, this is where this has come from. Like this was a down, because before the before the Australian military had the Blackhawks, they had the Kiowas and the, and the Hueys. And I just asked one of the guys that worked on Hueys, I was like, was this in the Hueys? He's like, yeah, yeah, they had that in the Hueys as well, you know, and it's, it's just due to the power draw. You know, so a lot of the time that they, they couldn't have the amount of the generators didn't have enough power to be able to power both circuit rate, you know, both circuits at the same time or have a circuit that could have two switches that could both function a cable, a ballistic cable cut on the hoist just wasn't, it wasn't a thing that was made yet back when they made these things, you know, right, so right. this is where this has come from and for <laughs> 20 odd years later, We've been having this procedure of confirm I have cable cut authority. Yeah, you have cable cut authority, and there's no switch to actually actuate to like a so you know identifying yeah, select the same term process like a cockpit turn like it was a you know it's and it's written up as you know and in that same identify confirm select um, type type methodology that we use yeah. when we're actuating yeah. a in the aircraft you know same terminology so it was um so it's that interesting question of you know why are we doing it you, you know we don't know what we don't know and 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 we all have so much to learn you know so you oh know, yeah yeah um, and with everything changing too because you know like the sikorsky i'll throw them uh, a bone sikorsky made that change when they were building you know the h60 they're like man we need a little more power to be able to put power to both switches so it's it's one 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 yeah. power source each everybody throws the switch at the same time and somebody's sharing the cable but something is so simple as that is is that conversation piece of why why are we still doing it that way and if yeah. you have an answer like we're still doing it that way as a matter of fact this is one of the things i love about mario is mario will come back and be like actually the reason we're still doing it that way is because of this this and this i'm like you have an answer and i appreciate that you know it's yeah even if i i don't want to agree with him and which you know that's what's what yeah, we gotta and, do <laughs> he could and, he's and, very and, right yeah and and so. For just because we're doing it this way over here doesn't mean we need to do it that way over there and we're also different all around all around yeah. the world I, I talk with a few of the guys from search so you know globally um and they're a um you know they're a global company that has different procedures for different environmental conditions in different parts of the world like the way the guys down work down here in apac is different procedures to ireland even different procedures yeah. to norway and I, I really respect that but 
they they all do the same thing. They go to a location and pick up a person via a hoist. You know, basically. It's, you know. it's so simple. It's, it's so, you know, but you, there's so many different do. ways of doing it. Yeah, yeah. You go to a you go somewhere and hoist goes out, hoist goes in. You know, like, but it's so much more complex than that. And there's so many nuances and reasons why you know, this equipment works well in this environment with these procedures and that piece of equipment works really well in that environment with those procedures, you know. So it, it, it's vastly different um, reasons to, to effectively, you know, do. And, and, and you could winch to the same ship. You know, there's, it's completely conceivable that a ship leaves England, steams out past Ireland, you know, jumps in through the sewers, says g'day to you over there, then comes um, comes down to us and then and then, then then ends up, you know, off California on the Coast Guard. And and yeah. you know, and there's four aircraft that hoist to that ship all do it four diff slightly different ways, you know, depending yeah. on the methodology, the environment, the procedures, you know, the crew mix, like the equipment, you know, all of those different things. So um, yeah. No, um, I that's totally what I really agree. like about Eurasia. You know, they, those guys really get together and explain to each other why they do things, and they're sort of they're unashamed about this is why we do it this way, you know, and, and they're they're quite willing to listen. I think that's one of the benefits social media has had for our industry is that people are able to get together and communicate yeah. from other sides of the world. So. No, it's uh, it's it's one of the things that I really enjoy, especially now with everybody that I've talked to around the world. Um, it's every like you said, everybody's doing the same job. We're all getting called out to go rescue somebody. The different techniques that we use, the different um, piece of equipment that we're using, the different helicopters that we're using. I know it's equipment, but you know it's everybody's got yeah. a little something different, but it works not everything that we do doesn't work you know it's like hey there might be a better way to do it it might be an easier way to do it but either a you haven't learned it you haven't tried it or it's not anything that's ever come up because you're so set in your ways that it's like oh why change it works wow yeah and you know a, a really good example is um you know, you guys in the States, they do a lot of the um, dynamic insertions and extractions and, you know, um, Ezamat do that a lot and, 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 it, and it works and they do it incredibly well, you know, but a lot of the jobs we have down here, you just can't do it, you know, like it's, you're, you're sort of, you're descending down these really deep gorges and then you'll be sitting in a 180 foot hover, um, you know, sending someone threading a needle down a, a um, down a little, you know hole in some gum trees and um yeah. and it's and it's really steep terrain or it's really um you, you know you just you can't move like once you're in there that's it you're committed you know like right. if you if you um if you get into a situation a lot of the time you do not have flyaway you you know and that's why the 139s become such a popular aircraft down here because we literally there is no movement so you lose an engine you're sitting there yeah. Until you can get someone, to, you know, hopefully get someone to the ground and cut the cable and hopefully you can get out of the place, you know. Like, um, and it's not that we really put the aircraft in significant periods of exposure down here. Like, you know, most of the time there, there's, you know, there's an escape plan always discussed, you know, and, you, and that's part of your generalised pre-briefing or if something, this happens, then I'll do this. But 
but it's not so much it's not so easy as um when you're up above the tree line in in switzerland and you can just roll nose the thing over and, and away you go or you know you're out of the coast of Ireland, and you you got forward airspeed because it's blowing fifty knots. So, yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. going to sit there rock solid anyway. It ain't going nowhere, you know. Like, you yeah. know, you know, like, um, yeah, sixty five knots on the nose, we're fine, you know. <laughs> like, it sort of doesn't happen um, so much down here, and, and different, you know. I'm sure you guys, our people listening all over the world, have similar similar things as well, you know. So. Um, you know so it's um it's yeah it's interesting it's 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 really good to see why we do things different ways um yeah down here everywhere so i love it man i do and i love to learn what everybody else is doing and the new equipment and yeah just what's going on it's it's uh god it's so fun because you when you start looking at you're like wow they're not wrong that's that's really a good idea or it's like ooh, you know what i like where your head's out but that's not what i'm going to do and here's why and hey yeah whatever yeah it's Get the um, job or, or, yeah um i remember being at a um at a goodrich hoist jesus conference a few years ago um and the service in the states basically was saying hey we don't have any procedures you know we just go out and do it you know and and you know f- few years later you know those guys are completely different because they put their hand up and sort of said look we kind of think we know what we're doing we haven't killed anyone yet we haven't injured anyone yet but we kind of need a hand um these are some footage of the job this is footage of jobs that we do this is this is our area of operations and um you know that um they're a really seem to be a really quite a professional service now you know they've gone and got new aircraft and got decent funding and training budgets and manuals and SOPs and checklists and 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 come up to the modern world but um but that's one of the things I like I said before one of the things I like about our industry we're not afraid to sort of say hey you I need help yeah. you know like uh, you know uh, um, can I can I can I take some of your experience please <laughs> so, yeah um, oh yeah no I, I mean it helps so much too especially when you start an air, a knowledge sharing just stuff we've done so yeah absolutely so betsy dude this is this has been awesome man it's some great knowledge i love the stories uh i love your first rescue actually i, I think that one and then getting yeah swung into the bottom of the boat and swimming on the yacht yeah you know what i liked them all it was good <laughs> well done sir well done but uh listen man thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing this stuff and, and just having the conversation with me man i appreciate it i love what you're doing now too it's awesome yeah, thanks, man. It's um, it's been a fun process for me. It was even just nice to look back through my logbook. I haven't done it in years, you know. So I think it's something we we all don't don't do, you know. So I think it can can get some good memories and you know happy and sad memories at times with different things that have yeah. happened over the years. But um, but yeah, it's um, as the Eurasia guys say, you know, fly safe and swim hard. So yeah, thanks buddy. very much. Appreciate what you're doing. So it's great. Hey, no, so. my pleasure, man. And uh, I'll see you at the Eurosa meeting, message yes. from a meeting in Portugal. Let's do this. Woo! Uh, first beers on me. There. I think yeah, I know you from HAI anyway. So I'm just yeah, no trouble. We'll be there. So. Awesome. I'm we'll looking forward you. to it, man. Right on. Well, thanks, brother. I'll uh, I'll see you in November. Sounds good. Speak soon. Take care, man. All right, brother.
And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>